to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show. Let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you haven't followed me yet on Instagram or Twitter, follow me at Strict Anonymous. And you're going to want to follow me there because if you want to be on the show, you could DM me over there or you could send me an email. Strictly Anonymous Podcast at gmail.com. My show is called Strictly Anonymous because everybody's voices are changed. That's right. Nobody sounds the same. People, you know, you could email me from a phony email. You could call me from a block number. I don't really need to know who you are. I just want to hear your true stories. If you want to be on the show because you have an interesting, naughty secret life that you lead that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous, send me an email. Did I say all this already? <laughs> I think I did. Strictly Anonymous Podcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Click on Be On The Show. I also have a call in confessions line. That's 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24 7 Anytime you want, I don't answer that number. You can leave your confession there. Uh, I change the voices as well. And I put all of those confessions on my Patreon. If you want to join my Patreon, you get all the confessions. You get to see anonymous pics of mostly all of my female guests. Plus, you get all these episodes early, ad-free. I have a cross-dressing tier with exclusive cross-dressing episodes, as well as I call it my hoser tier Guys are into pantyhose, that whole tier uh, with extra exclusive pantyhose episodes. If you're in those tiers too, you also get the anonymous pics and all that, but exclusive fetish content, extra stuff over on my Patreon since this episode is with Diane Hansen, the queen of fetish is. <laughs> you gotta maybe want to go over to my Patreon because I have other episodes, exclusive episodes with her over there. She critiqued a contest, a costume contest that we had recently. And like who better to get to critique your dressing up than Diane Hansen of Leg Show Magazine. Okay, Diane Hansen, if you don't know who she is, she's my guest today on the show. And her leg show and jugs. I mean, she was very successful and well-known for taking leg show from being just a regular magazine to being uber successful. It was her that did that. She then left there, went to Toshin Books, a book publisher that puts out amazing, beautiful, arty, coffee table, high-end books. She is the sexy book editor over there. She's responsible for the books, the big book of legs, the big book of butts, the big book of breasts, the big book of what else? Legs. I mean, that is her. She's the woman who does those books now for Tasha. Just like I said, she was the editor of Leg Show. And when she was there, she the way she became uber successful is she read all the guys' email, not emails at that time, 
<laughs> it was regular letter, paper letter letters that guys with fetishes wrote in, and she read them all, and she took into consideration what they said and gave them what they wanted in that magazine. And by doing that, she learned so much about guys with fetishes. She also which she reveals on this show, had a brother who was a cross-dresser and she didn't find out about that until after he committed suicide. That's a whole story that she tells on this episode that I haven't heard before. She also talks about her ex-husband who was a cross-dresser as well as her ex-boyfriend was also a cross-dresser. And both of those relationships played out very differently. And part of it is because of the way it was explained to her when they revealed that they had that fetish and she talks about it and how it was expressed in their relationship. So she really is the go-to on fetishes for so many reasons. One, because she was that editor and she read all those letters and she lived it. Also because she had that brother and she had the husband and the partner. So she knows the fetishes from the angle of the guy with the fetish as well as from the angle of the partner who is with a guy with a fetish. So she has a lot of great advice on this podcast. We break down fetishes, you know, where do they come from? Are you born with them? Are they put on you because of things that have happened? Like I said, she tells a story about her brother and the story about her brother, she said, and she explains it on this, that it wound up to be a very common story she heard from other cross-dressers. And that's a really fascinating thing that she brought up that I hadn't heard before. And I've talked to so many cross-dressers. Um, and she's here to say that the story, like I said, that she heard from her brother, and she explains it, is a story that she heard from so many when they would write in to the magazine. So we talk about that. And then she gives the advice on how, if you have a fetish, when to bring it up to your partner, what to do, what not to do. She talks about why do women not have fetishes? I've never met a girl with a fetish. We talk about whether the taboo nature of the fetish is a part of the reason why it exists. You know, is it the rush and the fact that you're doing it in secret that creates that desire and that compulsion to go do it? And if it wasn't there, would a fetish still exist? We discuss that as well as, you know, she talks a little bit at the end about her relationship. And then we also talk about men looking at porn as a release and how that that's okay and why she allows her very young boyfriend to go quote unquote exercise. That's her keyword for masturbate and why she believes that that's healthy, why you should allow your partner to go and do that and release his stuff and get it all out over there while he's masturbating, even if it's to porn. Uh, and why she believes that that's okay, why she believes in it, and why it's healthy. And there's so much more to it. She's like brilliant. She's super smart. I could have talked to her for a lot longer. At the end, we do cut a little short because she needed to do a critique, like I said, of a Halloween costume contest that I had on my Patreon. She did that for me. That is aired over on my Patreon, as well as her first episode where she talks all about her history and her past and all of her time at Leg Show and how she got into that. It was super fascinating. If you want to join my Patreon, there's that pantyhose tier, the hoser tier, and there's a cross-dressing tier. You also get everything else that's on there. Uh, you could sign up and cancel at any time. 
There's a whole community over there of like-minded people. It's a lot of fun. So if you want to join, go there. The link is in the description. So anyway, I'm going to be right back on with Diane Hansen. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Hi, Diane Hansen. Welcome back to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you today? Hi, Kathy. And I am strictly not anonymous. I've never been anonymous all through my career. Was it a good idea? I don't know. No, but wait. But wait a second. First, please, we need to say that you are the Diane Hansen. For people that don't know, you are like a big magazine editor. <clears throat> porn magazine editor, you know, the biggest, well, the most well-known maybe leg show and jugs. And I mean, you were the person who took leg show magazine as a woman back in the day from like a small magazine to hugely successful. That was all on you, correct? I mean, you were the one, that, I forget the exact numbers, but you made it as big as it was for people that remember it. Yes, I am the Diane Hansen who took over Like Show Magazine in December 1986, I believe. And after I got fired uh, for Christmas, my previous publisher was an asshole and he um, he took us all out to lunch. We thought we were going to get bonuses and instead he fired us all. So I wow. immediately however by the publisher of leg show the wonderful george mavidi who actually was himself a cross-dresser oh d and, i don't know that i knew that well it wasn't public knowledge okay <laughs> <laughs> um he shared it with a few people and then there are other people who knew him way back when uh who who knew about it, but he would drop these hints to me sometimes. I got a fur coat at one point and he said, oh, you know, I've always wanted a mink. I've always wanted to have a mink coat, but because he was a big, big man, about yeah. 300 pounds. He said, you know, I would have to have it custom made and it's going to kill so many little mink, he talked in a grand way. And it would cost so much, but I really have to think of all the little mink who would die. <laughs> so if so there was faux fur back then, he would want one. He would have one. But uh, yeah, when I came in, Leg Show was um, every other month. They printed about 75,000 copies. Um, they did not sell even half of them. They sold maybe 40%. It was just a scattered magazine. And it had actually been started by Lenny Bertman, the great uh, fetish publisher from the 1950s and 60s, Lenny Bertman, who uh, had gone to jail um, he took a fall for the the um, Ruben Sturman, the godfather of porn, and went to jail. And when he got out of jail, Mavidi was his buddy, and he let him restart his 1960s magazine, Leg Show. That was in 1980. And Lenny Bertman then just died. So it was being done by the the gay editors who were doing all the gay magazines from Mavidi and they really didn't get it. They didn't care to get it. It was just some little side thing they had to churn out. Right. Yeah. I remember that from the first one. They Have they ever contacted you or 
you know, this would be a great uh, uh, documentary on Netflix. I mean, you were going into the past history and I could have asked you a million questions, but I have so many questions about fetishes. I want to get to that. But I mean, I feel like, you know, <laughs> your life story or even just the Lake Show magazine or that whole that whole world uh, back then would be a great documentary because it was a very mm -hmm. different time. You know, I feel like what a lot of people don't understand because they might have not grown up in that time is, you know, for a woman like you to not only have become as successful as you were, but wind up in that world doing what you were doing out and proud. I mean, you were really going against a lot of social norms at the time, right? I mean, it was not mainstream at all. And there you were a woman, like I said, uh, getting into that world and and then like becoming super successful. That's really hard to do back then. I think it's different now. Well, actually, it was it was my old mentor, Peter Wolf, who kind of introduced the idea of women as editors of porn magazines. Uh -huh. um, he was he was a hippie. He was a, a political radical and considered himself a feminist, though I think that would be debatable today. But uh, he understood that men did not want to talk about their sexuality with other men, particularly if it was an unusual sexuality. Yeah. And let's say almost every man has some unusual part to his sexuality that he feels he can't really share with the rest of the world, with other men, certainly, but also with his wife, his girlfriend, um, you know, they all have something. And Peter got it that men would rather see a sympathetic woman at the helm of their pornography and wow. started that at uh, High Society Magazine with the first female editors. And so when I started working with him in 1978, I believe, um, to bring out Partner Magazine, he encouraged that. We had this all-female staff who wrote columns in the magazine mm -hmm. and interacted with the readers. And it, I saw how strong a fan base you could make like this. So when I got the opportunity to do anything I wanted in publishing, which George Mavidi gave me with uh, not just Leg Show, but also Jugs, yeah. um, I started reading all the letters and looking at what the men wanted and what they were desperately begging for and started just modeling the magazine to their desires. And there were no other magazines that were respecting men who were submissive, men who were um, gender non-conforming, as we call it today. Yeah. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 
420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too, so you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Hey guys, have you ever had a night where you just like couldn't get it up? (laughs) I know that that happens sometimes and I can imagine that's like every guy's biggest fear. Well, now you don't have to worry because RexMD is here. RexMD is FDA approved and the most trusted leader in men's telehealth. They make getting generic and branded Viagra or Cialis easy. Everything is online. No more embarrassing trips to your doctor and it's delivered discreetly to your door. It's fast, it's simple, and it's cheap. Did you know Viagra can cost $90 a pill? RexMD has a generic Viagra that's just as effective for as low as $2 a pill. And they don't just have ED medications. They have other medications as well that help sexual health, hair growth, pain relief, and sleep aid. RexMD has already helped over 300,000 guys gain confidence quickly and conveniently, and now they're here to help you. Take advantage of their best deal yet by heading over to rexmd.com slash strictly. Our exclusive deal is going to save you up to 90% off. You'll pay just $2 per dosage. Starting packs of generic Viagra or Cialis are now available for listeners to get started. That's rexmd.com slash strictly for up to 90% off. That's rexmd.com slash strictly. Go there now or just go to the description and click on the link for up to 90% off. And and I know that you read, that was one of the ways that you became successful or changed the uh, narrative of leg show because you really started to read uh, all the letters and then give them exactly what they were looking for, which those guys before you didn't even, like you said, think about, or they weren't interested in doing that. And then you started to feed that. Is that where you got your PhD on fetishes and uh, and learned about them? Or were you someone that was always interested in it before? I was an outcast. I was, um, you know, taller than my kindergarten teacher. I was the tallest kid in the school in the second oh grade. God. That's my son. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I achieved my, my final height um, by the time I entered seventh grade. And so I was over five foot 10 at that age and just gawky and clumsy and everyone made fun of me. I was an outcast. So I spent a lot of time in the library and the local library, the community library, not the school library. And I found a copy of Psychopathia Sexualis there in a section that was only supposed to be for adults, but I was 14 at the time and I looked grown up because, you know, I'd gotten so tall, I entered puberty at age nine. So I was able to go into that section and I stood there in the aisles day after day and read the entire book. Wow. All of sexual perversion, sexual irregularity. And because I was such an outcast, I felt sympathy for these people who were 
societal outcasts for reasons they couldn't help. Yeah. You know, because they they were they developed a, a sexual interest in childhood that they felt compelled to think about, uh, that they struggled not to act on, and there was nothing they could do about it. I saw it was not a choice. Yeah, well, with that said, could you exp- Yeah, it's weird that you knew at that little eight young age, you had, I mean, it was like foreshadowing. I mean, you know, which came first, your interest, and then you, you know, those people found you. But I mean, you, that you knew early on, I mean, you didn't seek it out, but you were looking for that information just on your own. But then you wound up in that uh, profession, I think, is not a coincidence, maybe. That's what I'm trying to say. I just said it's so dumb. Well, and let me let me say some things here uh, that relate directly to your, your cross-dressing audience. Um, when I was... My parents got married straight out of high school and had three kids in short order. First, my older sister, then me, then a year after me, my brother. And my mom was worn out. She was exhausted. They didn't have any money. And my brother just came at a bad time. She had been raised with just a sister. Her father was a very shy man who really didn't take part in things. So my mother grew up in this entirely female environment. And she didn't know what to do with a boy. And she admitted to me, and I'm sure to others, and he knew it, that she was never able to love him. Oh, wow. And through our childhood, she, because we didn't have money, she sewed all the clothes for my sister and I, and we would go to the fabric store and get to pick out fabrics and trim and then, you know, have fittings. And she would give us home permanence, do our hair, fuss over us in all these ways. And my brother got none of it. She never made him any clothes and he would beg her to make him something too. And she'd say, Oh no, boys don't have pretty things. Um, she gave him a crew cut, you know, so he was just, he just felt excluded from everything. And so when he was about five and I was six, he initiated a game where he would go in the big closet in our shared bedroom and put on one of my dresses and then pop out and reveal himself and dance around. And I would clap and tell him how pretty he was. And this was his favorite game until our mom walked in on it. She was horrified. They were uh, part of a Christian cult. They were alt-right politically. She told our dad, our dad spanked him that night, uh, told him, you know, and me that, that we must never, ever do this game again. Right. And so his comfort and his sense of love was taken away then there was just nothing more for him he was also uh, not allowed to do any chores around the house that were feminine so he couldn't join me and my sister and my mother in cooking in the sewing he couldn't join us in anything because aye, there aye, were no chores right. the house yeah. for him and it this sense of of isolation and being unloved 
made him a crossdresser when he grew up. Oh, um, I don't think I knew that either, that you had a brother that was a crossdresser. Well, yeah. I didn't really discover it until his suicide at age 27. And I went to clean everything up and, you know, just make sure that there was nothing that he wouldn't want the police or anyone to see and found his wardrobe and references and all of that, that he wow. had been doing. And his, what I saw happen to him as a little boy is what made me accept my first husband's cross-dressing at age 18. Right. Because as he described his childhood, it was the same way that his sister was loved and coddled and he was excluded and unloved. And when I started doing leg show, you know, so I had an interest in this and I began questioning the guys who would write me in who yeah. were cross-dressing. And I heard this story repeated over and over and over that they had felt they were never truly loved by their mothers, not loved by their fathers, that they saw the sister getting attention that they didn't get, the sister getting pretty clothes, and them being told, you know, no, boys aren't interested in that, boys don't want to be pretty, boys don't want to look nice. And it, it just made me have an understanding and sympathy yeah. Oh my God. You know, I, cause I have, I've, I've spoken to a lot of crossdressers. I have a whole Patreon full of them, but you know, also on my show, I've been doing it for eight years. I've spoken to many guys with a lot of different fetishes. A lot of times it's the pantyhose or the crossdressers cause those are two big, you know, very popular fetishes. I don't know how, what you would say, but you know, I, I have never, I haven't heard that, but I question differently. You know, that's going to be one of my questions now. It's always like for me, I go to like, what are your first memories of like picking up a clothes or when you realize that you were into this? You know, it's more about mm -hmm. like when they started to wear and what they started to dress, but no one has ever, I haven't heard them put that together, but it makes sense. And I was like, and so with that said, because you talk to so many people, do you believe that a fetish is is you're born with it or it is something that happens to you, you know, because of something when you're younger? You know, there's so much human variation yeah. that there's no one thing that affects everybody. Yeah. Um, there are, I think that there are people with natural dispositions um, to certain things like we take the photographer Ed Fox I think who we have discussed before um, you know big uh, foot and leg photographer for me at leg show and he has he has told me that his interest in feet was there from his earliest memories that yeah. he remembers um, his grandma lived with them and he would get under the covers and smell his grandma's feet and made it a game with her and then in but he was ashamed so he didn't talk about it but then in adulthood his brother said that he had played the same game that he also was into feet yeah so there are obviously predispositions and then they can be affected by things that happen in childhood they're so many letters that I got from guys about their various fetishes will mention 
one thing that happened when they were four or five years old, it's always around that period yeah. that set them on a path. Um, one guy said he was lying on his stomach watching a Western on TV uh, around that age. And a woman was tied to the railroad track and was struggling and then tied. And the whole thing gave him an erection. And he didn't know why. Of course, he didn't know why he had an erection. But he was on his stomach. So he, you know, started moving around and found that it gave him this wonderful sensation. Well, that was just a, a random set of circumstances that set him on a path for life that he then liked to see women tied up. He liked to see women helpless. He liked to imagine that he was the good guy who would come and save them. And it just became more and more ornate with time. So it doesn't have to be trauma. It can just be a memorable event. Right. And then it's triggered because, like you said, he's laying on his stomach. And then, you know, those first orgasms you have, those first experience of pleasures, I think definitely wire you a certain way. Don't you think? Yeah. And there's there's a lot of research behind this that our the experiences that we have around four and five, particularly this is the. um the kind of Oedipal period where a boy is very, very connected to his mother. So he is falling in love with his mother, often yeah. having romantic, childish romantic thoughts about his mother or maybe about um, his mother's friend or his aunt. You know, he's suddenly becoming aware of the difference in male and female and you know, learning what love is about. He's getting outside himself because when they're very young, you know, the child is completely self-directed. Yeah. And he starts to look at the rest of the world. And generally around age seven, the heterosexual boy will then begin identifying with his father. And whatever sexuality relating to women was set in place at four and five, that just stays there and he grows up and goes on. Um, if he's a gay boy, you know, he may continue identifying with the mother then as his uh, role model mm-hmm. and begin identifying with his father, his father's friends and things like this as romantic interests. Right, right. Yeah, no, I know. Somebody asked, because I put a, a thing out to my Patreon members, like, you want to ask Diane Hansen a question. Somebody said, like, do you think that someone that has a hardcore fetish, if, like, the taboo of it was taken away, would it, is it still considered a fetish? Because a part of the reason why they feel it's a fetish is the rush that comes with it and it because they're yeah. doing it secretively. Do you think if you removed it in 20 years from now, which I think is going to be the case, you know, guys could wear pantyhose out and about because I see a yeah. lot of younger guys doing that now. Do you think it will be considered a fetish or it'll just be considered something that guys do? I think that we're already seeing this with Gen Z yeah. that are you know, a generation that's having less sex, less partnered sex than any in known history, um, that uh, most of these kids started looking at porn on average at age 12. They saw everything and it was all normalized because it was completely available on the Internet 
therefore they don't have an understanding of it as illegal or taboo. They know maybe mom doesn't want them to look at it, but that's mom. Yeah. Um, I know young people have been surprised when I've told them that people go to jail for making this kind of stuff, that it was illegal. Um, They don't get that. And I think that, you know, a lot of this like comfort that we see, you know, the Harry Styles kind of just comfort and wearing anything they want. And now Timothy Chalamet yeah. um, doing the same thing, just wearing whatever they want is that normalization. I don't think that these guys are getting boners doing it right? because it's, it's simply a style choice now. Hey, want to get off like you've never gotten off before, (laughs) then you need to try omgyes.com. OMGYES is a website dedicated to women's sexual health and pleasure. They did the largest ever scientific study into what really turns women on and everything they found out is on omgyes.com. And you get it all in up close and personal videos, everything from how to start and enhance your sexual pleasure, as well as go way beyond it. Besides being great for women, OMG, yes, is great for men too, and couples as well. Do you know that couples who explore new ways to increase their pleasure are five times more likely to be happier in their relationships and 12 times more likely to be sexually satisfied. Like, duh, it's a no-brainer. I use OMG, yes, and I love it. So what are you waiting for? Go to omgs.com slash strictly anon for a special discount. That's OMG yes.com slash strictly anon. That's omgs.com slash strictly anon for a special discount. Or just go to the description and click on the link to get your discount now. Right. But when it wasn't, maybe that boner came in because there was that rush and it was something that you weren't supposed to do. Yeah, you weren't supposed to do it. You were having to do it secretly. Um, you, if you were caught doing it as a child that hammered at home, that it was, you know, a very, very forbidden thing to do. And therefore you would struggle to repress it and struggling to repress it would make it grow bigger and bigger in your mind, more exciting in your mind. And I can say from, you know, my first husband and then from my later the boyfriend I had when I was doing leg show, who was also a cross-dresser, they, they would exude a sweat when they would <laughs> when right. they rest that they never exuded at any other time. There was this pungent odor uh, <laughs> that was associated with, with the, with acting out the fetish. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, you know, they they would tremble. It was clearly just fraught with fraught with danger and, and fear and excitement and transgression. Um, and maybe a little compulsion. Yeah. I mean, is that the difference between a fetish and a 
kink or something that you're just into? Is that what makes that all that stuff that you're talking about is what makes it a fetish, correct? Compared yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely it was compulsion. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, the compulsion of it can, the recognition that it's a compulsion can make you fight harder against it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's just an inclination, if, if it's just like, oh, you know, yesterday I jerked off looking at a, a big girl. Today I'm going to put on some panties and jerk off, you know, where it's, where it's just a choice. And people who, who used to try and tell me at the magazine, oh, no, you know, my my foot interest is not a fetish. It's just something I like because feet are pretty. Yeah. No. No. You know, you're not jerking off to pictures of feet because you just think they're pretty. Flowers are pretty, too. Are you jerking off to those? Right. No. It's, it is so much that we are not supposed to do it. But on the other hand, there are many animal species that masturbate in really funny ways. And it is part of the male psyche to seek sexual stimulation outside of intercourse because in the natural world, the majority of males do not get much opportunity to procreate. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet they, they have this powerful sex drive that they can't help. Uh, It's there, you know, they're given a powerful sex drive in order to keep procreating. Yeah. And therefore, you have to, you know, if you just if you just have that powerful drive and you never get to do anything with it, well, that kind of ruins your life. <laughs> right. So, well, where do you put that energy? Where does it go? Yeah, they, they find outlets for it. Yeah. And uh, this is why so many male animals are self-flaters. Uh, why deer rub their antlers through bushes and will have spontaneous orgasms that they they figure out a workaround. They figure out a way to have a sex life somehow that does not involve a vagina. Right, with the procreation. Do you think that, because what you're explaining right now is the, one of the reasons why women don't have fetishes because do they have them I feel like you said no once and it had a great explanation which I can't remember right now but I want you to give me the reason why women don't because I have yet to meet one with a fetish nobody I've never gotten an email from a woman that says she has a fetish and I'm you know I get thousands of emails a a year a, a month practically now you know and I did you know this magazine for 15 years and the when Ever I would get a letter claiming to be from a woman with a fetish, it sounded like a dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny! You know, <laughs> yeah, it's just the way the way they would describe themselves. Totally, uh, yeah. would not be the way that women would describe themselves. You know, it was it was always from a male perspective, and the things that males would notice about a female body, um, and. Yeah, you know, oh, I get so hot when my pussy gets so wet when I pull my panties up. Oh, just feeling my panties against my pussy like, okay, no. Um, 
there's a huge difference in testosterone. Let's consider that. Yeah. Um, men make 10 to 20 times as much testosterone as women. Testosterone drives all sexual desire, 100% of all sexual desire in men and women comes from testosterone. Um, the male brain is masculinized by testosterone in the womb. So by the time a fetus is, you know, 12 weeks or so, a male fetus, its brain is entirely masculinized. Right. So that it's it's already it's already been organized to be be the pursuer, be you know, to be more aggressive, to be angrier even. But um, so we have all of that. But then at the same time, and I got so many letters from men saying, well, there must be women who feel the same way about sex as I do, you know, that, that want it and pursue it. And, like, how would that benefit reproduction? Right. How would it benefit? We forget that sex, sex was not, I mean, okay, I'm an atheist, but... <laughs> It's not like sex is a gift that was given to us to have a bunch of fun. No, sex is just a natural phenomenon to keep the species going. Right. And in all the other species, the female is the gatekeeper. The male tries to get in the gate, and the female is there looking him up and down and thinking, eh, yeah, no. I don't think you are what my offspring need. Right. So females simply can't be as ready to fuck anything and everything and, you know, run wild with their sexuality as males because it would be to the detriment of reproduction. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's nature. Yeah. And nature is crude. You yeah. know, nature's food. It's not like nature is like, oh, every one of these creatures will have a soulmate and uh, <laughs> yeah. some kind of radar within them that will draw them quickly to their soulmates and they will then uh, bond and breed. Um, no, it's just it's just very crude. Make the males, uh, you know, eager to spray it all over the place and make the females the more careful ones to control that. And that leaves the males with a whole lot of extra energy and extra semen and sperm. And the male needs to empty the prostate on a regular basis, like at least three times a week, or they hurt the prostate. They become prone to prostate cancer. Prostate cancer is caused by semen not being expelled on a regular basis. It's like women it just, with, it's like women who haven't, uh, you know, ever had a child have a higher risk as well because they were supposed to not have their period all that time. They were supposed to be pregnant for nine months and giving birth and same thing, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter that it doesn't make us happier. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I just um, it doesn't matter that it, it's not what makes us, you know, happy or gives us better relationships or anything like this. It, yeah. We're just animals. 
Yeah, first and foremost. I love the whole animal analysis because I just feel like and I always I see that in play, you know, a, a lot. I mean, then there's so much more that comes to it. We're more evolved and, you know, you have a brain and you could think for yourself and go against your natural urges. But we are animals. That's why, I mean, for me, and this is just like a little side note, I get so angry when men put down women that go for guys with cash. I'm like, you know, if I was a cow, okay, I would not as a female cow go and look at all the male cows in the, you know, in the field and pick the lazy one that's sitting in the corner licking his balls. I'd pick the most successful cow for my babies. Like that's just nature. It's that's what it is. It's no difference than the reason why guys like young hot girls. It's because they have the eggs still. They're fresh. They can make babies. It's just the basic nature and neither is wrong for having those urges yet everyone you know they look at women like gold diggers or guys that like young women they're fucking perverts you know it's just like no they're animals you can't help it yeah they're animals and you know I think it's also kind of natural that when women get past uh, the reproductive age that some of them, like me, are going to look at the the same age guy they're with and go, well, if I can get a younger, less d- broken down guy, <laughs> why shit. wouldn't I think Because I'm not guarding the gate anymore. Exactly. That, that, well, they will become open to having more fun. Yeah, that's interesting. I know when I had my child, there were a couple of years, those first three years where you're just like, uh, you know, blinders on trying to figure out. It's like you started a new job and every day you're learning something new. Around two and a half, three, you're like, okay, got this. And you're back to your life. But for that time, I was Mm -hmm. not into sex. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And a lot of women were like, no, that's just very natural. And I think what happens is we're designed to take care of our babies. And I think that all those other kinds of urges go away so that you do tend to what you need to tend to. And like I said, two and a half, three years old, I figured it all out and you're, you know, you got it down. That went away. But for a while I was like, what the fuck's going on here? But I think it was a nature thing. Like you need to focus on this baby, not having sex not you know not going out and having another baby take care of this one right here well and also in uh, you know a more uh, basic human culture nursing would suppress menstruation yeah so while a woman was nursing she would tend not to get pregnant and not having sex and not having a sexual desire when the child is young yeah. is a good idea because if you get pregnant, your nursing will stop. You will not be able to care for the child that you have. Exactly. So of course you yeah, you're going to you're gonna to want to pull away from that because not because you don't love the man you're with or whatever, but because nature 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 just wants the young to to survive yeah totally and i always say like i mean nature also gives you that intense love for your child that's like so unconditional because if not and they make them cute so that you don't throw them out the fucking window because nothing can make you more angry than a fucking baby (laughs) but wait a second 
crying. What? Oh my God, all of it. I'm just like, I have so many jokes I could have told when my child was a baby. But as a woman who had, I mean, you had two guys, your husband as well as a boyfriend that had a fetish. Like, what would you recommend for guys who are listening to this that have a fetish that maybe are still in the closet about it and they want to talk about it to their partners or they're not with someone yet and they want to do it eventually come out? Like, when do you suggest that they do that and how? I mean, there, there are two different times. Um, one is near the beginning of a relationship when you see that it's going to be serious, that you really care about this person, that you yeah. think you want it to be going. It would really help you then, before you're too invested, before you move in together, to try and introduce it in a way that isn't terrifying. Yeah to talk about it uh, at a time when you're not having sex. You know, don't don't get yourself all dressed up and, and come charging into the bedroom as a surprise for the woman you've been going out with for three months. <laughs> but once you have said that you love her, once she has said that she loves you, once you see that there is there is a genuine connection, I think you need to talk about it then because it, what my what my second boyfriend did is he knew about my first husband so he knew that not only had I been through this but that it ended up a very traumatic experience when my husband's um, childhood trauma surfaced after we had a child and you know, he knew that I had gone through a lot with that. And but he waited. He waited until we were living together to spring it on me. Wow. And mm -hmm. I felt then that I had been tricked because he already knew. And he, he just waited until, you know, all the furniture was in the house, till I didn't have my apartment anymore, um, where I kind of was trapped. So before you move in that, but if, if you have kept it a secret for a long time and you're finding that it's making you unhappy, you think it's a wedge in your family, you know, in your relationship that your wife knows, thinks there's something wrong. Again, talk to her, sit down with her, but make sure that you're in a good place with your relationship. Make sure that you are doing your part to show love, to show support, to be the man she wants you to be in every other way before you bring this up. If you're having a lot of problems and, you know, you feel like the relationship is breaking down and you spring it, that's probably going to end your relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to put your energy in to make your wife feel secure in your love or your girlfriend, but that she feels secure, that she knows you care and that you are taking the time to satisfy her romantically and sexually. And because what I hear a lot of times for the guys is that the woman's biggest thing in the beginning is like, you don't like me. It's just, you just want me in hose, you know, cause they're always asking put on pantyhose, you know, when she starts to feel like yeah. he's not turned on by her, he's just turned on by the pantyhose. 
how do you convey that the right way to the woman and let her know? And that's where I think you have to you have to let her know that there are other forms of sex you can have. Yeah. One of the problems that I found and that other women have mentioned is that when they accept their man's fetish, <laughs> yeah. he then wants it to be all fetish all the time and nothing else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And most women are going to be put off by that because they, they're engaging with you because they love you, but they don't share your fetish the same way you do. You have to find something in your fetish that benefits the woman. If you're in defeat, it's easy. You start giving her foot massages. You, you can buy her nice shoes. Almost everyone will like to have nice shoes. Just don't, okay, we're going to have sex. Now put those shoes on. Exactly. Yeah, that's smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she feels like she's getting something out of it as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, With my boyfriend, my later boyfriend, where I was able, you know, where I knew more and was able to address it, you'd think, okay, we have our fetish night. We had one night a week that was fetish night. And I would play out his script with costumes and story and all the stuff that he liked. Mm -hmm. So we had, but he then before that, you know, the night before he had to give me a massage. He had to do all the things that I liked. Right. You had, so you had your night and he had his night. I think that that's a great trait. Exactly. We each had our night and then he could elaborate on the things that I liked. He had to learn what I like and think of things that would make it more fun for me so that I could have surprises too. I could have things to look forward to. And he could then have, I won't go into the scenario, but he could have the whole scenario and, you know, the dressing and the uh, conclusions that he wanted and yeah, I felt good about it because my night came first. Make her night come first. Right. That's smart. And then what about, you know, because I feel like there's been some women, I think that they get insecure because they know their guy has that fetish. They feel like they can't, you know, give enough to them. And then they maybe find pictures of women in pantyhose or, you know, they're sort of getting their rocks off in other yeah places I mean personally if I was a woman I wouldn't mind that because I would be like that's like actually perfect you know it's just like not going with other women but if it's a magazines like your leg show magazines they you found a stash underneath the bed but uh, some women get really upset about that yeah uh I have tried to talk to women all throughout my career about the place of pornography in men's lives mm-hmm. and how different it is that a man looking at porn on his phone, a man looking at magazines in the old days and masturbating is a man who is probably not cheating on you. He is a man who is satisfying his fantasies in a, in a complete way through masturbation. It's not like he's building up to go cheat on you because once he comes he is far less likely to cheat on you than before he came. So, you know, you're better off 
finding the, the porn that the guy is using than you are finding out that he's making appointments with uh, sex workers mm-hmm. to person. Yes. Right. Yeah, I think it's a, a, a great outlet for that because I think the difference between a fetish and a kink is that compulsion and that need for it. I don't think any woman wants to be tending to that 24-7. I think it's even a burden sometimes for the guy who has the fetish. But if you allow that, it's like a healthy way to uh, keep it in its place. Because what you resist persists. It's very true. It's only going to grow more if you try to shove it down. And encourage them. Yeah. I encourage them you Mm -hmm. know honey exercise exercise is a you know our current code word (laughs) you know hey honey you're you look kind of stressed why don't you exercise and that's your code for jerking off (laughs) yeah Yeah. i don't need to know what he's exercising to i don't need to know Mm -hmm. i i really don't even care unless he feels he wants to talk to me needs to talk to me about it for something just go ahead and exercise you know you'll feel better Right. And does the woman, because I know I think a lot of times what the man is always looking for, and this is the unicorn, and I don't know that it exists because I don't know that women have a pantyhose fetish, but they don't, you know, they're fine that like a lot of them find that their partner will wear and will entertain it. But most of the time it's, they're not getting turned on by it, you know, and they really wish that they were like, where are those women? And what do you say to the guys that do they not exist? And how do they get past that well and i've told this story before but you know john money who's now pretty much vilified um john money he was he invented the term paraphilia he was the greatest researcher in the 20th century on uh fetish and all kinds of unusual sexuality wrote books about it uh in the 90s at the end of his life he called me up after seeing an interview with me about fetishism And he blurted out, where are the female fetishists? Do they write to you? You know, (laughs) find them all through my career. Where are they? And I'm like, doctor, you wrote the books on this. You don't realize that there just aren't really any. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it's not, you know, if you find oh, you know, the woman in your life is not into your fetish and you then are longing for a different woman and feeling dissatisfied with your wife and thinking, you know, you need someone better. You're not going to find that woman. If you, if you, if this is really, really important to you, maybe consider a, a trans woman. Right. Right. You can, trans women are as prone to fetishism i'm sorry but they also had the burst of testosterone in the womb and no matter how they transition grew up feel and now feel and identify and all of that they're still going to understand sexuality more like a male does right because they had that early wiring regardless of how they how they feel now yeah that makes sense I see you you know I follow you on Twitter and I don't really um, engage in social media that much because I'm just too busy with my stuff 
uh, but every now and then there's like one or two people that I find fascinating and I just love how you engage on there. I don't know. Whenever I see your name, I read who you're talking to and stuff. And half the time I want to like oh. fucking, and I know you don't need anyone to stick up for you because you don't give a shit. You're solid in who you are, but there's a lot of trolls online and you're always like giving these really smart, great opinions on trans people and all the stuff that's going on. And some people will just go fucking after you. And I'm like, do they know who the fuck she is? Because I don't think it's apparent. And I think a lot of the younger people don't know. And I just sometimes wish you'd be like, do you know who the fuck I am? I mean, you're not just talking out of your ass, you know? I love the ones who um, who will, oh, you know, don't your 10 cats need some attention? Yeah, oh my you know? God, I can't even. They assume I'm some pathetic old uh, yeah. lady. I don't want to, I don't want to get into bragging about I know. my... That's why I don't say anything. Boyfriend. I don't want to get into my private life, but um, I have to laugh that all of these guys, and they're usually, they, they usually are actually like older guys who believe that every woman over 40 is a lonely spinster. <laughs> totally. They, they, you know, they should... They should talk to some women on dating apps. Right. Every woman I know who goes on dating apps, it doesn't matter what their age is. It doesn't matter what they look like. They are swiped by hundreds of men. Yeah. And whereas my, you know, young, beautiful boyfriend said he was on Tinder for 15 months and was swiped eight times oh you're still dating your guy yeah give a shout out to how fucking old your guy is okay that's what i mean this is what i wish these people that are trolling you knew but like i said i never say anything because i know you don't need to but it's like they yeah. just really have no clue how's old your boyfriends again he's 26 now and you've been with him for how long uh going on four years yeah like how amazing is that you know i and effing love it. I remember hearing about that in the first episode. I'm going to put a link to your first episode in here. I feel like I could talk to you for three more hours and I know you only have an hour and I want you, you to do yeah. for my Patreon members. I want you to do just go through. I had a whole Halloween costume critique that that's going to be for my Patreon members. But thank you so much for calling in again. Like I said, I could I we should do a three hour call with you because you're so super smart and could talk about so much. But I love everything that we discussed in uh, this episode your first episode is all of your backstory and it's a lot more of this more personal stuff which is really great i'll put a link in there of course and we will talk again soon all i've right. got to go and a bunch of emails now before i go to the doctor all right thank you diane thank you so much bye take care bye bye hey everyone thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode if you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics 
of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.